have you been watching The Bachelorette? I have not been watching, but I've seen the clips of Garen. <laughs> What's he been like on the show? Uh, I mean, I think from what I understand, and I, I mean, I don't mean to spoil this, but I didn't even actually watch it happen. I just, I was like flipping channels last night and it was on and I was like, where is he? So I looked it up and I found out that uh, apparently he didn't get a rose last night or something like that. And people were very upset yeah. about that. Apparently he's he's a fan favorite of some. I mean, he's a sincere guy and a really kind and funny guy. So it sounds like there's a lot of fans hoping he, sounds like there's a lot of fans hoping he's going to come back to, uh, what, are the, what do they call it? The special seasons? Like... Fantasy Island oh. or Paradise Beach or Bachelor in Paradise, Paradise or something. Bachelor in Paradise, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> he's, I, yeah, he's so great. And then, like, if you're gonna pick someone from grad school that would have been on the Bachelorette or the Bachelor, I would have guessed. I, I, I don't know if I would have guessed Garen, but if someone said it'll be Garen, I said, oh yeah, for sure. He's like super charming. He's handsome. He's nice. Um, he's like driven ambitious he's a really good dude and he played basketball with us you me and the grave and him that's right but we we, uh knocked down some buckets together back in the day um no i'm he's that's awesome for him (laughs) yeah yeah funny situation i mean um he he is like a a, like a serious dude in, in his career and in his ambitions and stuff like really impressive so i mean funny that you know he's he's on tv doing that but i think it makes sense why people are drawn to him and you know hopefully they do bring him back for some kind of thing maybe he'll be back for their reunion show or who knows maybe he'll be the next bachelor i think well his his ultimate goal is and i remember he said this in grad school his goal was to be the next ryan seacrest so i mean this is sort of stepping stone into the entertainment journalism industry absolutely well and i've seen him interview the rock and uh um mm-hmm. chris or kevin hart about like the new jumanji movie and stuff so doing cool things yeah so you know just so you we guys out there know uh we, we we know you know we know famous people or at least uh yeah reality <laughs> stars a, a reality star yeah Okay, we should start. <laughs> Love you, Garen. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast on, on the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted, what's up, everyone? Uh, what's going on, Tyler? A dramatic week for everybody out there, Chris. I think yep. you know we obviously have Halloween coming up on Saturday, and we had discussed costumes previously. Now, because of uh, the uptick in COVID cases, it seems like not a whole lot of trick or treating is necessarily going to be happening. Um, I was thinking of we've got a front like a front porch. So I was thinking of maybe like could throw candy down to kids or something like that but who knows i'm I'm not even know if kids are going to be going around so it might just be costumes at home by ourselves uh how about you what what are your plans i think we're gonna get dressed up and maybe go visit socially distanced outside friends houses for a drink or something like that in the late afternoon this is this is what such bullshit the pandemic has been this is actually not this is such a trivial reason why it's not um very kind to us in 2020 but it's gonna be warm here which is nice um it's It's on a saturday it's on a saturday and it's daylight saving time so we would be getting an extra hour that night and and of course a pandemic happens this is like the one where all the stars align the calendar lines up for an awesome halloween and yet we're we're all getting sick and it sucks but we're gonna make the most of it i think that's the plan um, we don't really get trick-or-treaters at our house, but we have candy in, in like individual bags just in case so we can pass it out. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think everybody's just going to try to make the most of it, obviously. But yeah, what a bummer. What a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, Tuesday's Election Day. Uh, everybody out there, you know, we encourage you to, um, if you, yeah, we encourage everybody to go vote. And especially if you can vote early, just because, you know, obviously the pandemic is a thing that is, is out there. And, you know, the the more you can put yourself in a position to vote with in a safe, socially distant environment, you know, we we support that. So obviously, here, here. Uh, you know, kind of crazy that a lot of a lot is going to have happened between now and next week when we uh, talk about episode eight. Um, yeah. but before we do that, um, I did want to say 
Uh, Megan on Facebook shared with us via Facebook Messenger that she is a, I don't know if you saw this, she's a real estate agent and was inspired by us talking about um, the way Chad was doing, uh, setting up like a whole, like a haunted house as, as an open house, mm-hmm. that I guess she decided to do that to host a, a Halloween-themed open house. Awesome. Um, at, at this like yeah. really cool, right, it seems like a really cool barn property. She included some photos from the listing, and I, I imagine you could probably do it. You know, with uh, you know, wearing I, people are still doing walkthroughs of houses, so you know, wear masks on, but kind of have it as a cool situation where you can walk through and like really play up the house. I think uh, it looked pretty sweet. That's awesome. I love that idea. Um, I'm glad that AHS is working its way into people's career choices or choices on the job. Um, and I think this is a smart one. Awesome, Megan. Um, send me an invite next time. I will happily show up to a haunted house open house. Absolutely. Props to you, Megan. And you should definitely share photos of how that haunted house turned out because I think that is awesome. And good luck selling it. Hopefully it works. That'd be pretty sweet if it does. Yeah. Hopefully there's no, you know, hell mouth there. <laughs> Fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> um, okay. Before we begin, uh, let's see. First of all, as always, you know, we do encourage you guys to send us messages and thoughts and ideas and comments at. Uh, you can send us as you know a Facebook message, or you can comment on our post at facebook.com slash this American Horror Story, or you can send us uh, via email at this American Horror Story at gmail.com. We do try to respond to everybody who, who sends us anything. So we, we certainly appreciate that. Before we dive into episode seven, titled Open House, so pretty perfect, um, as always, what are you drinking, Chris? I got the classic bourbon and cider tonight. What are you drinking? Mm. I had a bourbon and cider last night. I was feeling something a little bit different after a dog walk. So I am drinking a beer that is called uh, Flannel Friday, even though it's only <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. But, you know, it fits the season. Like it's a yeah. yeah, it's a fall seasonal. Feeling pretty good about it. So where's the brewery? Harpoon Brewery, which is here in, oh. the, in the greater Boston area. So, cool. yeah, drinking local. Uh, OK, so. Let's talk a little bit about Open House, Season 7. So we're past the midway point in American Horror Story, Season 1, Murder House. Uh, this episode was directed by Tim Hunter, and it was written by Brad Falchuk himself, so that's kind of interesting. Um, do you want to take us through the 1994 Cold Open, which is, I yeah. will say, maybe one of the shortest Cold Opens certainly we've had in this season, um, maybe yeah. most seasons. Yeah, and I yeah, I don't have a lot to say besides... We cut right into Constance talking to Larry and telling him that she could be charged with criminal neglect for her son Bo, who is turned out turns out is locked up in the attic, um, and that would mean that Bo would get taken away from her. Um, so she essentially gets um, uh, insinuates to Larry that he needs to go take care of the situation, um, so this so she doesn't lose Bo. And, you know, he infers from that that he needs to go upstairs to Bo, where we meet Bo in the attic. And he he looks, I would say, like your standard um, kind of disfigured uh, monster. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking I was I, 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 yeah, I was thinking like hills have eyes, leather face without the mask, house of wax, etc. Uh, one of those types of people. Um, but he's super sweet. He's very childish. So, you know, he seems like, you know, Larry shows up and says, hey, it's time to go to bed, Bo. Uh, and, you know, takes him to bed. And I mean, we kind of know where this is going, I think, because he's being so kind. But Larry takes the pillow and smothers Beauregard uh, and kills him. Uh, and that's that's our opening. Um, a, a character we had never met before, uh, but we had heard about. I don't know if we knew his name or not at this point, but uh, and we hadn't really had too much experience in the attic with the exception of that's where I believe they found the rubber man suit. Um, right. So we haven't been up there that much, but apparently Bo is up there. So that's the, that's our cold open. Totally. Um, and a couple of thoughts I had on this. First of all, you know, we know we we see right away that this takes place in the year 1994, which we know is the same year that Tate pulled off from last episode is, is the year of his school shooting. Now, in this particular episode right now, from this this sequence of events, we don't know whether or not this is before or after what happened with Tate mm-hmm. in 1994. Um, but I think we will learn more in future episodes, if I remember correctly. Um, 
Other thing about Bo is he's he's rolling that red ball that we've also seen mm-hmm. in the basement. Now, right. from your understanding, here's my question for you: Is so when we see the red ball rolled in the basement, is that Bo as a ghost hopping around other places in the house, um, or is the Infantada play with the same red ball? It's a good question, and I don't have a good answer. You know, all the other ghosts seem to be able to hop around as they please, but we haven't, at least so far as we've seen Bo, which is just this, um, we haven't seen him in any other room. It's implied maybe that he is able to bounce around because the red ball is associated with him, or maybe it's just a ball that Infantata plays with too. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, no real resolution on that one at this point in time. Um, yeah, and I guess the other thing I would say is it seems like maybe at this point in the narrative, Constance doesn't yet know that spirits live in, like, the, that ghosts live live on in the house. But, you know, because obviously they, they, I mean, or maybe she did it on purpose, knowing that Bo would remain as a ghost. Um, I'm not sure. Uh yeah, let's talk like really quickly. So, you know, if she if she has if she does know about it, they haven't showed us that yet in the show because clearly the Montgomerys were there first and they are haunting the place no matter what. And then um, I don't think it's immediate. I'm, I'm not sure if there's someone in between that time, but Constance eventually moves in, and then Larry's family moves in after that. Well, the nurses, the nurses were before Constance. That's right. right. That's right. So that's right. So it was um, the Montgomery's and then the nurses were in there before Constance and then Constance and then um, Larry and his family and then Patrick and Chad and then the Harmons. And there may be gaps in there where other people were there that we just haven't met yet. But that's kind of the general timeline. And we've only experienced Constance living there briefly and we haven't really had her experience ghosts while she's in there. So we don't know if she knows that killing Bo would trap him there. Right, right. Um, and we do get to see Bo again later later on in this episode. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of save, again, kind of save the Tate-Violet interactions um, for a like almost like a separate section. And going to kind of wrap what I would call like the Vivian Escondarian Mm-hmm. Like basically the the house related storyline, yeah. Uh, um, let's talk about that one first. Okay. So important um, revelation at the beginning of this episode that I had actually forgotten about that Vivian is having twins. Uh, is that something you'd remembered? No, I totally forgot that too. Um, I'm sure something will happen with that, but uh, yeah, I didn't remember that. There's a few things th- throughout the season so far. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Or, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a character. But, yeah, so, no, I did not remember this. But they both seem quick, healthy, apparently. Apparently, apparently. No so who knows? Who knows what that other <laughs> that other uh, nurse saw. Um, meanwhile, you know, things are actually moving ahead in maybe a positive way in the house. Marcy has somehow pulled uh, Mr. Eskandarian, um, who is, as we, we learned, not Armenian. a Persian, but an Armenian, uh, <laughs> to, to the house to look around. He kind of seems like a little bit of a douchebag, but he's interested in buying the house. Um, he's clearly, definitely a douchebag. <laughs> he's clearly into Moira, um, as we find out. Um, so that seems like a promising, you know, lead for them. Uh, then, of course, Larry shows up to breaks into the house. Um, this, I would say, in some ways, this is Larry's episode more. I mean, we're finally getting some of the backstory that we asked for on him, um, which you know, arguably, maybe some of this should have came sooner. But uh, you know, he arrives at the house in some ways it felt to me like marcy already knew who he was did did you kind of get that vibe too yeah i did i did you know why would you pull a gun that quickly if you didn't know this man was actual trouble you know um i mean she does seem a little prejudiced against people everyone people with disabilities so maybe that was part of it people with disability um gay people people of color she's a horrible human being Mm -hmm. she can be pretty funny um i was reading that ryan murphy said she is his favorite character to write for. They kept wanting to kill her off, but they were like, nah, she's too fun. Um, she is a, a pretty funny character. Yeah. She's got some good lines. But yeah, no, I, I kind of had a, a vibe that, that she did know him, but it seems maybe she didn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, clearly Larry is still into <coughs> fire, asks questions, yeah. is lurk, lurking around the house. 
um, is attracted to the house. We, he talks more about that later. Um, you know, so that's another promising lead. Vivian's feeling pretty good about potentially some of these people who might be buying the house. Uh, meanwhile, she's also having weird sex dreams of starts with Luke, then goes to Ben, then goes to Rubberman. So she's, I mean, we know that she's been having weird dreams for a while. Um, um, question they for were you. They sex dreams. They were, she was masturbating. Well, okay. She, I thought she woke <laughs> up at the end of it, though. Because she got, couldn't get, Rubberman ended up third in her head. She's like, ah. Oh, and okay. She put her vibrator <laughs> away. Pay attention, I, Tyler. Oh, I missed the vibrator. Okay, I, I, th- I the reason I thought that is because she's had some <laughs> some dreams before, but she has. So clearly, she was she was still got the she's fantasizing, horny, horny for Luke, but ended yeah. up kind of going back to our man. Okay, okay, makes sense. Um, who knows? Maybe uh, pregnancy does that to folks. I I don't know. Um, so you know, she's she's dealing with her feelings. Meanwhile, uh, Moira is seducing Mister Eskandarian because it seems so. Moira has a little bit of back and forth. It seems like at first she's trying to find somebody Sell to be the savior. House. He's gonna, you know, build put a pool, a pool, in. pool, put a pool in for her, which um, means you know. he would dig up the bones and she would, you know, and then Constance would go to jail and hopefully they could bury Moira correctly in a cemetery and she'd be free of the place. Mm-hmm. So she throws herself at him in every, you know, the ways you would imagine. Um, And, you know, he's feeling pretty good about things. But then kind of just out of earshot after she leaves, he discloses to Ben that he's going to turn the houses into condos of some kind. And so we know he actually had not represented himself authentically. Um, Maybe because, you know, he has found out in his experience that when you tell people that you're going to buy their house just to knock it down and build, you know, an apartment building, they're not they're less likely to sell to you. Although at this point, I feel like the Harmons would sell to anybody regardless of what their motives are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, I, I loved exploring Mora's side and her story. And it's always fun to see her and Constance team up, even though they're enemies. But um, I really, I, I'm starting to have problems with how they're writing her. And I didn't think about it until this episode. She is like this, like woman who is was dedicated to her mother and wants to be free of the curse. She was murdered because she was being raped uh, uh, after one dalliance with the guy who was Constance's husband. Um, and yet she always kind of pivots to this like sexual, slutty, you know, personality that is not really who she seemingly who she was, was when she was alive, you know? Right. Um, like she's giving, you know, blowjobs f- just to get her way. And maybe it's just because she's, I don't know. It just seems like using her sexuality wasn't really who she was when she was alive. Right. And now she's like super. And obviously there's a whole like the house makes you do things. And she's, I don't know. It just seems like a tactic that wouldn't be true to her nature as a character when she was alive. Do you know what I mean? I, think, I, I totally do. I think that's a fair point. I think... She's the one ghost, I would say, of all the ones we know who are in the house who doesn't make sense with the rest of the ghosts in terms of mm-hmm. the way that the rules of the house apply to her. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, but at the, the other thing that comes to mind is like, obviously, Tate has some memory issues, right, with the things he did. So it's like, but, but Moira seems to have her memory, but it makes you wonder how much the what's happening in the house like plays it plays inside the ghost's minds almost i don't know yeah um but but you're right there is a just i mean it, it does seem like a clear distinction of like you feel for her as a human being when you know her real life story not that you wouldn't anyway but it, it it does seem different than how she's portrayed as a in ghost world right right you know like i get the people see her differently but then she behaves completely differently you know when she's older versus younger and that just you know, it's exciting and it's fun. It's entertaining, but it does not make sense. Right, right. Anyway, um, but I, I did like spending a lot of time with Moira in this episode. We love for, Frances Conroy. And the younger Moira sure. is awesome, too. She's great. The younger Moira does a great job, too. We don't give her enough props. That's a good point, yeah. too. Um, I was going to say then, you know, kind of following our two potential buyers, Eskadarian and Larry, who we know is not an actual real potential yeah. buyer. Um <laughs> Ben is obviously very alarmed to find out that a guy with a burned face showed up at the, you know, at the open house. And so we get the return of what I like to call badass Ben um, in his leather jacket and smoking (laughs) um, after having snuck into Larry's apartment and, you know, 
sitting there in the dark for we don't really know how long. Uh, I always think it's funny when people do that in movies. Um, and he, you know, threatens Larry with all sorts of things. He got more background in, info on him. He, fi- he, he tells Larry that I know you weren't the actual one who set your family on fire. You weren't actually in prison. You were in an institution. Um, Larry feels drawn and compelled to the house. He reveals for Constance. He reveals his relationship to Constance in this scene. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I think is <sighs> annoyed me a little bit about this is it felt like Ben was like a Bond villain when like, you know, you know, when like they have Bond in like a perfect situation where he's like trapped. And he's like, now that you're trapped, we're going to tell you exactly our plan. So that mm-hmm. way, because there's no way you'll get out of this and mess it up if you know exactly what happened. So it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to sell it to this guy. So obviously Larry was going to communicate that and totally screw up their plan because I guess Ben got overconfident. But <sighs> he, played his, he played his cards way too soon. He should have just been quiet about that sale. Seriously. We also do get that little flashback of Larry telling his wife that he fell in love with Constance, which was a pretty brutal scene, but it seems like their marriage probably didn't have a whole lot of love before mm-hmm. that. Um, so he's he's telling the wife and kids to move back to Ohio because Constance is going to move back into the house. She's got some kind of power over him almost. Uh, what do you think that power is? Is it just that she's just like such a strong personality and he's like such a naturally submissive person? I think it's part that I think it's also part the house manipulating him and, you know, making him think so highly of Constance and Constance wanting that house to kind of, I don't know if she wants to live back in it, but she does sort of maybe, I don't know, again, if she had seen ghosts, if she knows that her children live there, then maybe she would want to move back into that house. Um, she clearly she wants door. to connect with, clearly she wants to connect with Tate again. Yeah, right, um, right. Somehow. But I think it is the house that kind of manipulated uh, Larry to fall in love so much so with um, with uh, Constance. And also, we don't get to see a lot of it, but probably messed with Larry's wife as well to do what she did. Well, and so we see the smoke again. So did she set her so she set herself and the kids on fire? Is that your understanding? Yes. Yeah. So because when he's knocking on the door, he says, like, do you have the girls in there, too? And when he goes in, he just is like. Oh my god! Like he's devastated. So uh, yeah, it's his whole family. So theoretically, their spirits are at the house too. Yes, yes. Unless they passed on to the next world. Um, speaking of which, uh, uh, we should talk about this not now, but maybe at the end of the season. Are you still watching the the Hunting of Bly Manor? Have you watched that at all? Yes, I'm up to episode five now. I think three, I'm three, up. Five. I've got one more left, but mm-hmm. they just had a reveal in that show about why some of the spirits who stay there after they die don't pass on to the next mm. world, um, which I think I think maybe in the final episode of this show we can talk about that theory from Bly Manor and okay. compare and contrast a little bit. Um, yeah. That'll be a potential cool. spoiler for people who haven't watched Bly Manor yet, although I don't really think it's that. I, I don't know. There's there's better by then, that. Yeah, by then it should be fine. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. But so we'll put a know. warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we, we find out the true fate of, of Larry's family and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, meanwhile, you know, Marcy and Vivian are going on the murder house tour to get the full Montgomery story. Now, this is something that I think you and I both criticized previously when Tate, for some reason, there was a there was a little segment in a past episode where Tate felt the need to tell Violet like just a little portion of the Montgomery story about how mm-hmm. they were giving abortions in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, we felt it, I think you and I both commented it felt kind of out of place there and I, I felt like even more so in, in you know I think that now because there was no reason that could have been just part of this episode in mm-hmm. retrospect it just makes it seem like that was something they wanted to add just to get another scene in with Tate and Violet in a different episode you know what I mean I think you're right because it would have been way more exciting and fun for the reveal that happens at the end of this episode had Nora just shown up as a potential buyer like a few episodes ago and then Vivian make the connection when uh, Violet shows her the photo as opposed to all of us already knowing who Nora is and that she, you know, was part of the story that Tate had spoken about. Um, it's, it'd be more shocking or exciting. Well, yeah, especially because, you know, I think the the part that Tate shared was like their 
a big part of their downfall and the baby already being dead and stuff like that. I mean, maybe it was supposed to explain the Infantata already, but we kind of, ex- this is also, this like re-explains the Infantata. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know really. I mean, the main thing that this flashback does is it reveals to us how Nora and Charles died, um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a pretty, I mean, I don't mind this scene being in this episode. Um, it is a pretty right. uh, brutal when she, like, she comes down and it looks like her, her chest is oh all God, clawed up. Yeah. For some reason, she tried to like latch the Infantata on you know, to, yeah. to breastfeed like she would have done Thaddeus before. Um, that didn't seem to have worked too well. Um, and then she tried to kill him and it didn't work. So instead, she kills herself and Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, Worth noting that this is, they call this the Montgomery murder-suicide. And isn't the way that they say Chad and Patrick died also a murder-suicide? Oh, I don't remember. That's a good question. I believe that's what they, what Marcy or, I think it's what Marcy said when they first mm-hmm. buy the house. Even though we know that's not true. But it makes right. me wonder if like, because that was like the original, one of the original sins that happened in the house that like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Right. The the other thing that they that I think Charles reveals is that inside of Thaddeus is the heart of one of the girls that he performed an abortion on. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Um. He said, "Yep, he's mm-hmm. yep from one of the girls." Yep. So anyway, uh, some pretty disturbing stuff happening. Obviously. Yeah. I yeah. That's the other thing. I this episode made me think a lot about what does what's Brian Murphy and Brad Falchuk's message about abortion. <laughs> It seems kind of negative, but um, well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is a very unsafe environment for that to be taking place, you know. So yeah, you can make yeah. an argument that if it was legalized, maybe it would, they would have a lot safer options than going to creepy Charles Montgomery's basement with a, a doctor addicted to ether. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And your punishment is you become part of a Franken baby, right? For choosing to anyway. Hmm. So Constance goes to meet Larry in the basement of the murder house, I think while they're on maybe the, the murder house tour, so that way they have some time together. Um, or, I mean, a, there's a couple times in this episode where people are in the house just while the, How? Like, Vivian's sleeping. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it must like, be a big like, house with very thick walls. Yeah, for sure. Like later on uh, when um, the uh, business guy comes over with to meet up with Moira, and he's like, is anyone home? She's like, yeah, they're all tucked away upstairs. We'll go down to the basement. Fine. But then the next scene after that whole thing happens is Vivian going into Violet's room and they're them chatting. Like, how are people not hearing each other in this house? It's an old house. It's probably creaky. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. <laughs> um, but, you know, in this scene, you know, there's some good moments with Constance. She criticizes his flower selection. She flaunts her boy She's toy. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and of course he reveals the thing about Eskandarian wanting to knock the house down, which is mm-hmm. exactly what we would have figured would happen. Um, but there is some good back and forth here about, you know, I think she blames the, the house's power. On, like she says something like, you know, the house did this to you or when she talks about Larry and Larry says back to her, no, the house didn't do this to me. You did. Um which I thought was kind of interesting because so mm-hmm. far Larry has talked so much about the power of the house and like, you know, he's talked to Ben about the things the house can do. So I, I don't know. It makes me wonder whether or not Larry really believes that. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Because it, it's almost like I wish they had somehow hinted at that Constance-Larry connection before this episode a little bit more. Um, if that really is the case that we're supposed to believe that Constance is the one who really holds the power over him, not the house. I feel like mm-hmm. that would, I would have liked to have seen that insinuated a little bit more. Yeah. It should have been teased out earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just thoughts as we're going through, we do get a really great scene when Constance goes to see Eskandarian herself and they have a whole bunch mm-hmm. of, I mean, toe to toe back and forth. Yeah. Um, as characters, as acting, no offense to the guy who played, um, the Armenian businessman, but I mean, Jessica Lang is just a beast. Like everything she does, every little inflection and like hand motion, or she's just so so great. Oh, she dances circles around him in that way. But there's definitely some good back and forth with the lines here. Brad Falchuk had uh, some fun writing some of these insults and that, that sort of thing, mm, and some bet. of the the passive aggressive remarks, you know. Um, there, but she there's there's something to her speech, her kind of monologue she gives him. You know, she's talking about. You know, the tearing down of history to build carports and skyscrapers and all this type of stuff. You do kind of get the feel. You know, I feel like this sort of thing 
becomes more blatant in later seasons where it feels a little bit like Brad Falchuk and Ryan Murphy are like a little bit proselytizing um, their beliefs a little bit. And, but this feels a lot more authentic and maybe it's because it's coming from Jessica Lange or it's just more in tune with the actual storyline. But, um, right. you know, and also her character clearly is somebody who's very devoted to tradition and that sort of thing too. So you really believe that she values these things. Um, mm-hmm. But Eskandarian is just a shit and basically is also a misogynist and only deals with women who either have sex with him or make him sandwiches. And so she kind of leaves him with an ominous warning. And I think at this point we kind of all know exactly what's going to happen to him in the end. So I will, I will jump back to this kind of the the final scenes um, at the end of our recap. Uh, But let's talk briefly about Tate and Violet. I don't know that I think this storyline is all that interesting. I'll be curious to hear what you think. Um, It seems like a little bit more of the same moping we've kind of seen from last Mm -hmm. episode and kind of the same hints that we've talked about from last episode. Um, Again, Tate catches Violet cutting herself and he makes her promise to stop. So now he's like, he's become a force of good where I would say, you know, in terms of influencing her, he was... You know, let's remember when he saw her cutting herself early on in this season, he was telling her the correct way to cut yourself to kill yourself. So quite a change since, you know, episode one or two, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, but he, there's some, some kind of weird things, you know, it's unclear entirely what's happening in Tate's head. You know, he talks, they talk a little about the afterlife and he talks about, you know, in his mind now, the fact that Violet's there makes the house a kind of heaven of, of sorts, like a, a, some sort of paradise, um, which is a little disturbing, obviously, especially given we, we know that she's not a huge fan of having him around, but mm-hmm. appears to have come to terms with it. Uh, they decide to have the family dinner with Violet where they, you know, she seems to think they're trying to keep her from, you know, basically falling into this giant chasm of depression where she thinks that they're worried about her killing herself, which another one of them actually says she's the one who says it, which I think is worth noting. Yeah. She Violet in this episode and a lot of the episodes tends to be kind of the most level headed, practical, pragmatic, uh, person, (laughs) Mm -hmm. albeit, a a angsty teen. (laughs) Um, but she calls things for what they are. Um, Especially with her parents, which I think is, is is pretty great because their parents are both kind of idiots sometimes, which is frustrating, especially with Connie Britton's character, Vivian. But, um, like, get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Totally. We do get a scene where Violet ascends into the attic to basically meet Bo. Um, not really clear what... Not really clear why. Um, other than Tate's up there too and, and drops the line, you know, that the ghosts of the past are appearing to you because you're evolved. Um, mm-hmm. you know, continue to be hinting at something. Yep. Yep. With well, something's going on and obviously we know what it is. We won't spoil it right now, but, um, there are little signposts along the way here that are going to help signify something that I think will be revealed later on. Mm-hmm. And Tate basically is now, I guess, teaching her how to live in the house with the other ghosts. That if you tell them mm-hmm. to go away, they will disappear. Um, you know, he he shows her some hidden treasures he's found in like a vent, which includes gay porn, Nora's silver box, I think, that we see her polishing at the beginning of the episode in that flashback, and old mm-hmm. photos of Thaddeus and the Mon- the, the entire Montgomery family. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, it's it's around the scene where we also she finds out that Tate's trick yelling at the ghost works. Um, and finally, I guess the, the kind of final moment with, um, I guess Tate regarding Violet is when Tate and Dr. Harmon are back together, um, in another session. And for some reason now Tate has overcome his bad memories since, since kind of the revelations he had. Um, and then kind of makes a, you know, he asks something of Tate and he says, you know, I can't lose Violet. I couldn't survive it. Um, he wants Tate to to be there for her where he can't, which is an inter- interesting. Um, and then, of course, you and know, so ben, unprofessional, totally unprofessional. I mean, Ben is totally it's not like it's the first time Ben's been unprofessional, <laughs> um, but you're absolutely right. And then, of course, you have the line, you know, from Tate, I wish you were my father. At the God. end here, which is potentially some foreshadowing for some things that we'll learn about Tate in future episodes. Uh, right. But I, my question for you is like, what was this whole, I guess, storyline about? This one involving Tate and Violet and like Bo's little pop up and 
um, you know, Tate seeming to have forgotten about the events of the past couple episodes. I mean, we, we got that, you know, his memory seemed to be completely wiped by the end of last episode. Uh, do you really have a feeling for what's trying to be conveyed to us here? Uh, I think it's filler, if I could say in one word what, what this was. Uh, it. I don't know. I think we're supposed to take away, or I take away that Tate is in a really good place now. He's super happy, and I'm attributing it right now to that he's just so in love with Violet um, and that he's in a better place. And Violet seems to be good-ish, um, I guess. Um, she's kind of acclimating. I, I, that's probably good. She's not, like, great, but she's getting used to this new evolution of herself. Um, I had problems with it, though, because... I, you know, wasn't, isn't Tate not supposed to see Violet? Wasn't he, like, forbidden from seeing her? Um, also, didn't Tate's sessions with Ben get canceled? Like, he, like, they met on Halloween, and, like, that was it. That was, like, like you know, you he was no longer treating him. And now here we are back, like, we forgot that that happened. Unless something happened that I missed that I don't remember. But it, that's why sometimes I don't know if they forgot that that was, uh, you know, the line was drawn for Ben and Tate and, Vi- and Violet or not. One anyway. thought there is maybe so yeah. Constance, Constance must be paying Ben to give sessions to Tate, right? So yeah. maybe Ben is so desperate for the money. We need the money, Viv, that, you know, maybe he, you know, he can't afford to not take Tate on as a patient. Um, He's definitely also, not on Medicaid because that they would be, they'd be billing a dead person. <laughs> it would be fraud. Um, <laughs> exactly, and you know I also think that like Ben clearly is not all that consistent as a person in, in any of his like putting his moral foot down on just about anything, right? Uh, we know he he backtracks on crap all the time, so I think it pretty much fits Ben's character that even if he you know the things he said in the past only hold for a certain period of time, and clearly it's not like. It's. I think what we're supposed to get from this final interaction with Tate too is like, whatever things Ben was trying, his efforts with Violet have been floundering, and they're really worried about her because she seems super depressed. And so, yeah. you know, whatever whatever he thought he was doing by putting his foot down wasn't working. So, yeah, give her what she wants. I guess is his part of the theory. Although, you know, I think we probably realize at this point she, we don't really know how much she wants to be around Tate or how much she just has no choice. You know. Yeah, she has said she did say at the dinner, you know, about them selling the house. She's like, you guys didn't even ask me and I like it here or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, she, she does like, think well, she still likes it. Yeah, which is a little. Yeah. After all they've been through there that she's still down with the house. Maybe the household's some yeah. power over her, too. You know? Yeah, true. So the final scenes here. Constance comes to talk to Tate, which is the first, I guess, yeah. real interaction we see between them. There's a couple like little 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 ones, um, but like actual extended dialogue. Um, he's clearly still pissed at her for something that we're not entirely clear what it is yet. Um, mm-hmm. Other than, you know, I think he pretty much calls her a bad mother. Um, she also stops in to see Bo too, which is interesting, mm-hmm. uh, considering she's the one who wanted him killed. Yeah. Um, maybe now that, you know, Addie's dead, she's having some just nostalgia for all her dead children. Right. Um, <clears throat> And then she reveals the truth to Moyer about what's going to happen to the house. So that's kind of when we know something, you know, Eskandarian's death is, is going to be coming. One thing I thought of here is Constance is so terrible to Moira. I mean, not only did she kill her for something <laughs> that wasn't her fault, obviously, but just like berates her constantly. Why doesn't Moira kill Constance? Spot. Yeah. Why does Moira what? Why, why doesn't Moira like enact revenge on Constance? I, uh, yeah, Moira has a lot of things that I just don't understand. Like, why doesn't she just tell someone to go that where her bones are and go dig them up? Like, is there a rule like in the universe that of the ghosts and murder house that she can't just say my body's buried over there? Well, um, theoretically, I mean, she's allowed to touch everything else too. Maybe why couldn't she just dig yeah. herself up? <laughs> there you go. And yeah, but and also if like Moira was that awful, like why can't she just? Or sorry, if, if Constance was that awful to her, which she is constantly, and she murdered her back in the day, why not just kill her? We've seen that ghosts can kill people or hurt them. Right. Uh, it's almost so. like Moira has like a built-in subservience to the like 
Yeah. She, she still has to, I mean, the same way that she feels compelled to clean all the time. It's like she feels like she still has to be proper and subservient somehow. And somehow the, Constance feels like she's part of the house, you know, like she's an ex, a living extension mm-hmm. of the house in some ways. Um, so maybe that's part of it, although it's never clear. I don't think it's ever made clear to us why that, why it feels that way. Um, but then, you know, you know, the scene we were talking about finally happens. Um, Moira calls Eskandarian in the middle of the night. For some reason, they, you know, she... Uh, to seduce she, him with the blowjob, like... Okay. While everyone's there asleep. Um, I guess Moira can't <laughs> leave the property, so that's that's the only option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, so they, they go to the really creepy basement, which, you know, Eskandarian must just be down for anything. Um, where she appears to bite off his penis... I think that's what I yeah yeah he's like less teeth and then you kind of it's implied because she has blood on her mouth that she bit it off mm-hmm. and then she gets bagged over the head by Larry mm-hmm. with a plastic bag and almost killed just suffocated enough but I, r- real quick I love this the shot where um through the plastic bag we see older Moira wiping her lips of the blood like they did that like Ugh. a few times throughout this episode. So that was a really, really good uh, directorial choice. Um, but yeah. anyway, yeah. And then Constance comes out of the shadows. And man, Eskandarian really screams when he gets his penis bit off too. I mean, I guess <laughs> Violet must have been playing that music pretty loud for Vivian not to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, yeah. That that classic like aughts teen music that's in all the cwwb shows back in the day that's exactly like totally what i thought of <laughs> it did kind of seem like that you know vivian comes in to kind of connect a little bit they have a little girl talk um they talk about the act of falling in love and what that feels like um and then we have the big reveal what i was supposed to kind of feel like a big reveal which is not not for us as viewers but for vivian which is Vivian realizing that the person who came and walked through the house was Moira or was Nora Montgomery. So maybe Vivian mm-hmm. is finally at this point realizing that ghosts there's spirits exist. in the house, even though like it's been there, there's been so much opportunity for that to have been clear to her before. Oh my God. I mean, she yeah. she's been kind of willfully ignorant, I think, at this point. But mm-hmm. so I guess the question is, we'll have to see next next week because I don't remember whether or not this actually got through to her finally this time. And I know we're getting building up to it because I think next week's episode is called Rubber Man. But it's very odd to me that in conversation between Ben and Vivian, not once has it ever come up like, hey, remember when you wore the Rubber Man suit and we had sex? Like, they've never talked about that. Like, if something that kinky happened in a couple's sex life, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that kinky, like, it would come up at some point another time. You would think, but maybe their relationship right now is so uh, yeah fraught to begin with that they're not really into talking about their intimate experiences. But I agree, it does seem like it would be a hard thing to keep, uh, to, to, to not bring up. Um, well, so it sounds like we have some, some strong opinions about this episode, too. I'm curious to hear what your overall review of it is. Yeah, um, yeah I think I pretty much, I feel like not a lot happened in this episode, so I don't have a lot of more points to add to kind of what we've covered um i had a lot more questions about why things are happening the way they're happening they don't necessarily make sense to me um we often run into this in later seasons of american horror story where people are making choices or doing things or characters are introduced just to leave in that same episode sometimes is filler i don't know if you know when you commit to x amount of episodes if you know the story is only so good um device wise we didn't, you know, device-wise with some of these characters, I don't think we, or the newer characters, like the business guy who's going to buy the house, you know, it helped us learn a little bit more about Larry, sort of. Um, and Larry still feels like such a forced character, even though I love uh, Dennis O'Hare. Yeah. And then, like, I, all the things I mentioned about Moira, saving grace for this episode is the scenes with Jess Lang playing Constance just because just it's so entertaining like anytime she's on the on the screen I'm I'm paying attention um it did give me thoughts like I mentioned earlier about how like what are the like I feel like they're kind of mean to women uh in this season you know so um as and then like what they're trying to say about 
abortion and pregnancy. I don't really know yet because it just seems so convoluted, but it seems like women are getting a really bad rap and making kind of crazy choices that aren't really fair for all the characters to be like that. Anyway, um, one thing that we didn't mention that I did really like, though, was when Vivian goes on the murder tour again, which at first I was like, dude, she was already on it. Like, we have to go back on it. It's so much better than her going to the Wikipedia page for her uh, for her house because you know it has a Wikipedia page in 2011. Yeah. Um, I'd much prefer, rather prefer her going on the murder uh, tour with and The tour guide is Marcy. funny too, yeah. Oh, he's great. And I think he's someone important or some something. I can't remember who. But I love that before we get to the murder house, we first start at Nicole Brown Simpson's house and they're talking about the uh, O.J. Simpson, Nicole Simpson uh, murders. And it's just funny because a few years later they do um, the uh, uh, American Crime Story right. uh, season on it. And I just thought that was a fun little like, oh, I wonder if that's where that idea started um, blossoming. For... You, wa- you watched that, right? I didn't watch it, no. Oh, it's great. I, it, I know. It, is, it is great. It's one of those where if you ever have time, it's worth watching. I mean... Yeah. I, it's one you know even if you feel like you remember parts of it from when it was actually happening i feel like there's so many amazing acting performances in that particular yeah season it, it's it yeah really no fun. i i it's always been on my list and i hate that i haven't watched it and no longer i don't watch it the more likely i'm not gonna watch it i hear you uh we'll see but um uh so i i anyway this episode uh, I don't know, talking about it makes me want to rank it or rate it lower now. I give this a 3.25 rubber men, rubber suit men. That's fair. That's fair. I agree with you that I feel like, I feel like the, the, so like the most important things I feel like we learned in this episode were supposed to be some of Larry's backstory and his connection to Constance, which I said before, I feel like, a little bit comes out of left field. It, it, it seems like um, if some, I would love to hear if someone else feels, if any listeners feel like there was some foreshadowing of the connection between Larry and Constance up and up before this, because I feel like it, it just gets kind of sprung on you in this episode a little bit. Mm. Um, and I would have liked to have, like, if that's, what's been driving him so much to the house, I would have liked to see that more. Like does the thousand dollars somehow relate to Constance? I don't think he, like Ben brings that up, and I don't think he's still ever mentioned what he wanted a thousand dollars for, right? Yeah, he just wanted it for the cover up, but I can't remember what he was going to use it for. Yeah, so I feel like there was some opportunity there. So that's a little bit frustrating. Um, you know, I guess you know, Bo, we're still seeing more Constance's children. Again, the Constance scenes are are excellent. Um, I agree with you that I hadn't thought so much about my frustrations with the kind of Moira's like. Clearly she has this one driving force to like move on to the next life and get her body out of the backyard. But some of her, some of the ways she behaves and stuff is like, it does, it does seem a little bit all over the place. And especially because like her, I don't know. It's like, well, it's like, and it's not like you're trying to slut. We're not trying to slut shame her. If she was a slut back in the day, cool. Like play on play. But, but that's not how, yeah, but that's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not how it, yeah. That's not how she was portrayed. So that is a little complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I, I guess I agree with you that probably, in addition to the Constance scenes, including I really loved her skewering Escandarian and her scene with Larry mm. in the basement where she was trashed, like, you know, love it, stomping on him too was great. Uh, the other scene I definitely enjoyed was the murder house tour, including the flashback again. And I do wish that they had just wrapped that other Charles and Nora uh, section into, into here too, and like given that more depth in this episode. And I think you could have cut out some of the Tate and Violet stuff in this episode um, because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that is a, I mean, it's a more of a horror story um, in the more, most visceral sense with monsters and murder and, and all the other horrible things happening at, at that point. So, and I actually think that um, Lily Rabe and uh, what, I forget the actor's name who plays Charles Montgomery. We've already given him a shout out from Silicon Valley, Gavin. But yeah, yeah, Gavin Belson. <laughs> yeah, but he, I think he's he's like he's good too. I, I think they're both great. Um, so those are my favorite parts of this episode. I Matt agree with Ross. You. I feel like it does feel a little bit like filler, especially compared with some of this earlier. Yeah. 
um, especially compared to some of the earlier episodes of season. So I'm going to give it a three rubber men. Um, I feel like, I feel like I actually also enjoyed piggy, piggy, piggy more than this episode too, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to, that's, that's going to be a 6.25. I think this is, let's hope that this is our low point for the season. I think it might be, I honestly think it might be. Um, Yeah. We have five left. So we're, we're, you know, that's the other thing with the end of this episode. I'm, I'm still kind of like outside of building to the delivery of these twins. I don't know where we're going. Like everyone's kind of just like protecting the house or trying to get out of the house. But there's no the only yeah. like main narrative is like or some the tension is what's this baby going to be or baby's th- going to be. I think there's a lot more flashback reveals. I think there's flashback reveals mm-hmm. about Larry. There's more flashback reveals about Tate. I think there's flashback reveals about uh, Chad and Patrick and Constance. So I think mm-hmm. we're in for more of that that business. Um, and then, I'm of course, there's a there's couple episode, reveals yeah. about. There's the what reveal about Violet. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, uh, you know, we still haven't, you know, Vivian doesn't know who was in the rubber. Well, she thinks that Ben was in the rubber man suit. So so it's it's like the next few episodes are all all reveals. Um, so right. it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to step back a little bit, I guess, and try to remember what it was like before we actually knew what happened and, and see if those reveals still hold gravity for us when we know they're coming. Yeah. Uh, and next week is rubber man episode called rubber man. So we, yeah, so we already have a feeling we, we know some things and I think I remember in my mind this being like a little bit of like a holy shit moment. So let's see if that holds up. So, uh, all that being said between this week and next week, Chris, where can people find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler? I am on Twitter at TJMoss11. You can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Story. You can send us questions and comments at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And we encourage you to rate us and review us on uh, the Apple Podcast app and on Stitcher. We really appreciate that. Love to get your feedback. Um, man, and go vote. Go vote, and man, uh, have a safe and fun horror-filled Halloween. Maybe you guys will end up watching some American Horror Story. Um, but until next week, yeah, happy, happy Halloween, we'll say this week. Happy Halloween.